Craft Beer Radio, episode 405, on December 6, 2016. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, all you wonder boys and wonder girls and wonder whatevers. And here we have, let's see, well, we got some Alaska beers, we got some beers I brought from Arizona, and uh, a beer from locally. Yes. Locally, Pennsylvania. A very succinct way of describing it. Mm. Yeah, Greg was in Arizona for a company thing for like two days, wasn't there very long. Mm-hmm. And he called me up from the beer store. I was like, what should I get? Yeah. <laughs> And one of the things he mentioned was they had Alaskan Smoke Porter 2016. And I've been trying to get my hand on the current vintage of Smoke Porter because I also have an Alaskan Smoke Porter 2001 that I've been so, wanting to do side by side with the new one. So let's try it. But so let's. Tonight's the night. Let's. No, I mean, we could get right into that. No, no, no. I think. So we should probably go with the Heffa first, right? Sounds good. All right. So this is parch, Parched Pooch from. Sleepy Dog Brewery in Tempe, Arizona. This is 4.8% alkali volume. They say it is a German-style hefe with a hefe yeast. And that's it. You know, basically bananas, citrus, and clove. Saw a little chunk of stuff in there, so they definitely have the yeast in the can. All the... All the beers, with the, with the exception of the Alaskan, uh, were in cans. That was nice. It was very easy to bring them back. Did they have, um, yeah, I guess Alaskan is still all bottles. You figure a place like that, which has to ship its beer so far to market, mm-hmm. would adopt canning. But I don't think they can yet. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe they do locally, but these were bombers, so of course the bombers are all going to be... Yeah, but did you see like six packs of? I didn't. I didn't oh, okay. look too closely I in see. that area. All right. So the beer, as you would expect, it's very murky, and it's kind of uh, orangey yellow. Mm-hmm. It's got some nice uh, chunks of yeast down at the bottom of mine. The aroma on the thing is giant. Esters, you got vanilla, bananas, clover. Maybe a little, a little cloviness, a little phenolic note. I was really excited. Um, one of uh, my coworkers, Don, his his wife is a chemist, and so I did a little bit of geeking out with her about uh, <laughs> nice about light striking and stuff like that. It was fun. Sleepy Dog Brewing Company. Tempe, Arizona. Tempe. Tempe? Tempe? I'm not, I'm not even sure, really. Tempe sounds right, but... Okay. Um, a little kind of bland, actually. I'm kind of um, not too enthused by the flavor on this one. It tastes uh, almost like a, like a dry cracker. It has a little bit of... A little bit of banana going, a little banana estuary is a little little kind of cinnamonish thing, but it definitely feels like very muted in terms of flavor. When I take my sip, I notice this like tartness. It's a little bit different from typical hefeweizen, like wheat grain tartness. 
But I think that's what it is. I don't think it's any kind of souring. But it has, because the beer has such a estery profile and it's kind of like there's this like sweetness that's coming from those, you know, sweet floral flavors that's kind of boosting the sweetness of the beer. It's kind of enveloping that tartness. So it has a... I'm trying to figure out how to describe it, but it, bland is not, not a word I would use necessarily. Really? Looking for a date on this can, I didn't get a chance to, to check the date on many of the cans. That was the one unfortunate thing. Um, so some of them were a little old. This one is one of the ones that were old. I didn't think it would matter, being a heifer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the other can we're going to drink today, it's also a little bit older than I would like. Um, but some of them look to be pretty fresh, right. too, so uh, not everything is going to be t- terribly old. Yeah, but a heifer, it shouldn't really matter, right? A six-month-old heifer or so. It should be okay. Yeah. I mean, as long as... They were clean when they packaged it. Right. It doesn't. I mean, you said a little bit tartness, but not like. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not funky. It's yeah. not. Really, I don't think it's sour, but like I said, the tartness is coming across a little bit differently than I would expect from Hefeweizen. I guess I was expecting more of a bunch of flavor of, of this banana stuff and 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 vanilla stuff to come out, and I'm really not getting that. I'm getting. Milder, much milder versions of those. I'm getting uh, a kind of a like a store bought banana cream pie kind mm-hmm. of flavor, and not sure. like a big estery wham, like a big hit of esters. Okay, I'm starting to get more of, of what you're saying. This with that tart wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it, it doesn't feel like. A bad souring. It, it feels just like yeah, the wheat has maybe gone a little bit. It could be that it's a little old on the wheat, and maybe that's doing it. Maybe yeah, oxidation or something. But I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't. I don't think I would go oxidized. I mean, the beer doesn't have like the kind of a stale taste to it yeah. or anything. It's in a can. It's hard to. Yeah, it's hard to oxidize. It's not impossible, but it's hard. It's a little cold still. Probably could use a little heat to open it up. So yeah, so these were not um, cold, and I brought them, and we got an ice bath and put them in there for about 20 minutes or so. Mm. Yep. Then we took them out at least 20 minutes before the show started, so it was not like we kept them in there at that cold. Did you have any interesting beers while you were out there? No, in fact, I didn't have much alcohol at all, uh, with the exception of, of the party um, mm-hmm. at, at the end of uh, a Saturday, or, yeah, for Friday night. Um, had uh, no beer while I was there. I had one kind of old-fashioned drink on the day I came, went down. Um, I went out to eat, and then I had some bunch of various uh, cocktails at the party. And... Um, that was it. That was all the alcohol I had on the trip. This is the first alcohol since then. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was the parched pooch hefe from Sleepy Dog. Well, the pre-show beer was the first alcohol since then. Um, okay. Well, do okay. Where do we go from here? Do we do the? Well, this IP is a little bit old. Maybe we should go yeah, with that. All right. So, the next beer Greg picked up from his trips was the Santan Brewing Company Moon Juice. Santan is in Chandler, Arizona. 
Moon Juice is a, uh, they call it a galactic IPA. You might uh, expect there for that they would have galaxy hops, and you'd be correct. Also, Nelson Savine hops, so a, uh, a host of uh, New Zealand hops, right? Because I think that, um, I think Galaxy might, Galaxy is American, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember where it comes 7.3% by volume, 65 IBU. Malts are two row Munich wheat and Vienna. The yeast is an American ale yeast. It doesn't smell very hoppy. <laughs> so this was canned in July. Yeah. So it, it does. I think it smells hop faded quite a bit. It does. Uh, awards recognition. <laughs> the beer connoisseur gave it a ninety-five. We maybe have talked about. <laughs> <laughs> and what did it give Watermelon Dorado? Ninety-three. Uh, it, it was somewhere in the in the mid to high nineties. Might have been a ninety-five. All right. So the aroma, you know, for something that's called Moon Juice Galactic IPA, you'd expect this bursting in the nose thing, and and the nose really isn't. You get you get a light hopping, some some caramel malts, kind of like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what it smells like. When you move on to the flavor, there's still... Oh, some... no, there's... there's the, the hops are there, and the hops aren't just, like... It's not like Cascade and Centennial. The, okay. the stuff that's there... It's, it's, it's a little passion fruit. It's got some peach going on. A little grape, even. Nelson Savina, I guess that would be expected now that I think about it. Jeff is looking yeah, I, at me quizzically. I don't smell it. it smells. See if I mean possible that my uh, glass has more hop aroma than yours. Yeah, it's about the same. I, I just don't... smell Jeff. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. Hazards of trading glasses. It's definitely hop faded. Um, you can you can tell there used to be a bigger, much bigger hop um, thing here mm-hmm. because it, it feels like there's kind of a like a not quite graham cracker, but close to it. Uh, a decent enough malt to have mm-hmm. to, to support a big hop, right? Um, push and but the hops aren't really there there's a little bit of bitterness there there's these minor things but it basically tastes like an old ipa mm-hmm. or an old pale ale you know think of you know it, it tastes like what i thought beer used to taste mm-hmm. like you know back in the early 2000s when all the you know beers on the shelves in pittsburgh were old yeah it tastes fine it tastes perfectly drinkable it's just you could tell there's Probably something in there would be really enjoyable if, if I managed to get myself a uh, a fresh mm-hmm. one. So can we judge it? I wouldn't. Not what the brewer intended. I'm going to finish it because I, I don't think it's bad. Okay, but um, whatever. So. So the Brewers Association has put out their 2016 year in review, mm. and they tallied up 5,005 breweries. Yes, they have. 
5,000 and 5. <laughs> 5,005, I'm sorry. No, you, look, I've made a big point the last couple of years about how language changes and I really shouldn't be that much of a stickler for those kind of things. Yeah, it still bugs me, <laughs> uh, but I see the humor in myself when I get bugged over it. To, for those who aren't following, I was always taught when you say numbers, you don't mm. use and unless you're going to put like a, unless you're talking about se- a separation with like a decimal point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that pu- publicly, that's not how people use numbers anymore anyway. But it does seem weird when you say a number like five thousand and five because that gives the impression to me five thousand and five of something as opposed right. to five thousand five. Two thousand and sixteen. Right. Yeah. So uh this was interesting because you tweeted it. Uh actually you uh you'd use the crappy radio account to retweet it from Beer Pulse, right? Yeah. And I responded because I was interested in uh the Beer Pulse one. Uh not as because it wasn't a it wasn't I guess it could be construed as me being negative, but it wasn't necessarily me being negative. Um but my question was is this growth sustainable? Just simple, simple question. I mean, that's a that's a lot of breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Beer Pulse's response: He says his name is Matt Adam. Adam, Matt Adam. They sound so so similar. Uh, uh, his response was was a decent enough response for Twitter. It's only you know you can only have so many characters. Um, complicated question and complicated answer. That's that's actually where he should have ended it. But <laughs> he continued: uh, As long as vast majority of new ones stay local, small, it's a good thing. My problem with that was this is 5,005 breweries we're talking about. There's no way for the vast majority to be anything but local and small. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a non-answer. I mean, oftentimes, and the Brewers Association did it again with this, is the, the infographic says, you know, 5,005 breweries, 99% are small and independent by comparison, there are 10,000 wineries. So that's them trying to head off the 5,000 breweries. Jesus, that's mm-hmm. enough. But how many wineries are, you know, this probably 60% of those 10,000 wineries are these tiny little super local tourist type destination right. things. I don't know. I'm not a wine connoisseur. I don't travel for wine, mm-hmm. so I could be off base here. I don't know. I mean, can you carve out a niche? Uh, you know, a niche in a town, you know, with ten thousand other breweries around, and and have a thriving business. I mean, that's what we're going to well, see. Of, I guess. But. I mean, of course, of course, someone can. The question is whether you can, right? I mean, right. It, it's it's about. Every time that number ticks up, it becomes harder and harder for you to be successful. That doesn't mean that you won't be successful. Like every time that number ticks up, another brewer comes in. It's harder and harder for every single one of those breweries. Well, to be that's successful. that's if the number of beer drinkers are staying relatively right. Flat. If if you make the assumption that this is a uh, that the that the resources in which beer drinkers. Uh, is a is some sort of concept or is um, is a limited resource in some sense, uh, and I mean, eventually, there of course you're going to end up with limited resources mm-hmm. because that's the, <laughs> we live in the world of limited resources. So it's not like this is sustainable forever. But 
it does. I mean, it it does lead to the question of is there I, maybe maybe the maybe the problem with my question, which has always been, is this growth sustainable? Is it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been asking the right question because the right question is probably not is the growth of craft beer of craft brewery sustainable. Is the growth of craft breweries being supplemented with a with a similar growth in the audience for craft beer? Because that is what's required for right. craft beer to be successful. I mean, so you you pose this question not just for the number of breweries, but for the percentage or the number of barrels of craft beer right. sold. And those are two different things, really. Mm-hmm. Where what is the ceiling? For craft beer, and I mean, if the ceiling keeps rising, then of course, then the number well, sure. keeps rising. Is, yeah, but the ceiling has been rising. Mm-hmm. But what is so? But that's not really the ceiling. That's the threshold. But where is the ceiling? Right? right. Where? Where? Where will we cap out and not have easy markets to grow into? Mm-hmm. When will everyone have tried craft beer, and everyone who's not drinking craft beer? have decided to not drink craft beer because they don't want to drink craft beer. Right. Right. I mean, that's kind of the point you need to get to. You need to get to some some point of of cultural saturation, I guess, where, yeah, the sponge is too, is too full. It can't accept anymore. And it's, it's hard to say. I mean, culture can really change that, right? What if over these next four years, everyone starts drinking a lot more, right? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Why would that happen? <laughs> but I'm just uh, that was kind of a jokey answer, yeah, but yeah. I mean things, you know, you know, they're going to change. What if yeah. what if numbers come out about, you know, alcohol causing all kinds of cancers and, you know, it might go down. So it's hard to say. The, yeah, I mean well we can't, you know, you obviously can't predict the the, the future to any to any real good extent on this. It's I, I suppose it's an interesting Wait, question. I mean, but you've also argued that the rate of growth has to slow. Yeah. And I didn't see, in this infographic they put out, that they didn't really talk about the rate of growth. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, this one's just about the number of breweries and, and some other pro-craft stats, but it didn't really talk about oh, from- year-over-year growth. And I wonder if it's down or if it would have been in here or if that's just a different report that hasn't come out yet. You know, that's what I'm wondering about. I mean, frankly, this needs to be stated and stated over and over and over again. I'm not an economist. What I say about this stuff shouldn't, should be taken with a, with, with, with a gigantic chunk of salt. There's questions that I have about sustainability of growth from what I understand from my economic training, which is not major there is organic growth, what you want to see, but huge exponential growth is not organic. And that usually leads to a fall, right? Uh, a considerable fall. So you want to see... But you could also argue that there, there could be the phenomenon where a market is underserved and yes. the exponential growth is just filling the demand. Yes, that typically doesn't last years from... Again, no, from you typically wouldn't be 10 years straight, yeah. 12 years straight. But you know, it it it's worth asking the question: What if we're still filling that demand? It is worth asking the question. And again, like I said, maybe the question is not: Is this particular growth sustainable? But is this being matched by a similar growth in in the reception? We well, always talk about shelling shovels during a gold rush, right? right? Yeah. And 
that wasn't that you know there's not shovel shovel um heirs to the shovel dynasty out there right <laughs> that didn't you know sustain itself you know over the long term so you know you got to make sure you're not just just in that market yeah either. i mean i think that the continual sort of acquisition stuff that we're seeing is a sign that the market is maturing it's a good sign for the market actually because it means that real money is getting involved here and they're seeing real potential to get much more money by putting extra money in um but of course that also means that you you introduce by introducing the big money you introduce barriers for smaller companies so there are mm-hmm. there are yeah, negative I, and positive yeah i mean i i don't know if i would i don't know how i feel, how i would say if it's a good thing it it is a um it's an it's a what's the word i'm looking for it kind of establishes what everyone else has been doing right mm-hmm. it kind of reaffirms that there's something here right i i don't know if i'd go as far as saying good or bad or indifferent at this point but it does kind of say hey there's something here and the big money wants to t- invest in this right. and try to make a profit on this what does that mean for the the new brewery and planning and you know who just wants to carve out a local niche and, and you know, I'm curious like what I guess as long as the culture is still there of people wanting to continue to try new things and wanting to mm-hmm. continue to expand their horizons and people continue and brewers continually playing new stuff and doing things like phase three IPA, doing things like you know, Goza, doing things like expanding into the different areas and trying meated beers, still mm-hmm. trying all this stuff and 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 uh you know, calling it beer, but really expanding what that means, then there should, then the market should continue to to grow. Okay, I mean, I I, I think we could talk about this more. Like my next question, but I want to move on to the yeah. beers. But something for everyone to ponder is, what would be the cause? What what would cause the beer collapse? The, the pow- No, no, no. People to not want to drink. More, you know, to explore more flavors and things like that. What would want people not to to stop going to Whole Foods and start buying Wonder Bread again? That kind of thing. So think about, you know, well, I've I've an answer, but mostly it, it it comes down to things like the Chipotle thing, where some you know some people get sick off mm-hmm. of stuff, and and so they go to standards instead of going for the okay. crazy flavors, things like that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious, like you know. Or fads, right? Gluten, you know, if gluten-free became even more of a fad, then there was a while where gluten-free beers were coming in all the time. Now I think people have started to, at least it started to pervade the consciousness that gluten-free is more pseudoscience than anything else. Okay. But um, the question is, will, when that happens, who will be able to adapt? Right. All right. Next beer. Do we go with the Palapino IPA or do we go with the Wild Elf? So Wild Elf. All right. Trogue's Wild mm-hmm. Elf. So this is their uh, their is it um, bad, it's Mad, Mad Elf, Elf, not Bad Elf. <laughs> In barrels with Brett, I believe. Uh, I don't. I don't think there's a date on this bottle. I think it's. 
this part of uh, we did a beer club at work of all large uh-huh. format bottles. And large format bottles tend to sit on the shelf at the beer distributor for a while. So this thing might be like over a year old already. Should be fine. 11% knocked by volume, 20 IBU. Uh, the fruit is Italian cherries from Peter's Orchard. The oak is French, American, Hungarian. And the fermentation is a house ale yeast and... Are you ready? Yeah, I, I'm looking at the same thing you're Red looking at. Red sees Lactobacillus and Pediococcus. Lots of little bugs. And it's, it was aged in American... In Hungarian and French oak barrels. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. So we have a tan color with about a uh, about a finger's worth a, of, of. There's only a little bit left. Let me talk. A little here. little bubbly head with uh, a few big bubbles interspersed in there. This came in a, a 500 milliliter corked bottle. Smells nice and funky. Like it's got some interesting stuff going on in there. Yeah, for the cherry sure. the cherry is kind of in the in the malts. So it has a much darker color than than Mad Elf. This wild elf is kind of a tea colored orange glow on a brown beer. Where Mad Elf isn't golden, but it's it's still a, a, a medium dark yellow. So it picked up a lot of color from the either the additional cherries or aging in the wood. Probably the wood. I mean, I would guess the the wood added a lot. It's it's very hazy. But yeah, you can smell all those bugs working to kind of give it. Uh, it actually reminds me of, of what a lot of Grand Crus smell like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I first smelled it, it reminded me of a little bit of a Flanders at first with the cherries coming through. Mm-hmm. But as I'm smelling it some more, I'm not getting kind of that. Acid, the acetic notes. I'm even getting a little bit of of what I smelled off of uh, um, the Sam Adams um, you know, cosmic motherfunk. Yeah, cosmic motherfunk. Yeah, like I was saying, now as I smell it more, I'm not really smelling the vinegary parts, the acetic parts. So I'm not really thinking that it's a Flanders kind of benchmark here. I'm gonna have to start somewhere else. Well, they didn't say acetobacter. They said Britannomyces lactobacillus and pedio. Mm-hmm. Sure. The aroma of the cherries are, are oh, the cherries smell great. That kind of is like chocolate covered cherry tobacco thing going on. And there's a little uh, apple or pear in the aroma as well. Kind of like a cooked, like an apple pie kind mm-hmm. of uh, aroma. Oh, yeah, like, um, like. Baked, baked apple or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. First thing, the flavor seems a little thin. Gonna have to dig in a little bit more. But I'm getting cherry notes, the apple notes. I have to take another sip here. Not as... I kind of expect a little bit more... Sourness or something coming mm-hmm. from it, and it's really not sour at all. Um, there's big oak flavors, lots of oak, uh, considerable dustiness from I think the Brett. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to detect, like, okay, is there leogriness? Maybe a little bit from lacto. Is there a little bit of cheesiness from the PDO? I'm, like, just trying to, like, break it apart and see where I can. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of cheese rind in there, but it's it's behind the fruit. Mm-hmm. It's behind the wood. It's not very acidic. Like, you're not getting a huge lactic acid-type burn on it. Right. To me, just... You know the anal the the analysis part of my brain is is just trying to figure out what's here. And, um, I just tasted a little butyric acid, which is the dirty diaper. <laughs> oh, I mean the beer isn't the beer's not bad as a whole, but if you focus on that butyric, oof, 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 that's a that's a flavor you can't untaste. I had, haven't had something like that since we did the flavor active. Um. Not having much experience with dirty diapers, thankfully, uh, I, I am not. Uh, I'm getting that. Even when Jeff says it, do you he... get? How about how about um, like at the very end? There's this like chalky thing, and it's a little Pepto Bismoly. Do you get anything like that? I get a little bit of dryness, right? A little chalkiness. Uh, maybe how that goes into the cherries. It's reminding me of Pepto Bismol a little bit. Okay. So just not not to let it linger there. I'm focusing on the 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 yucky parts, but the beer is not majority. No, it's, it, it's, it's not it's, it's mostly not yucky. yucky. It's not yucky. Um, you can focus on you can you can decide to focus on yucky parts if you want to. Uh, usually, when when Jeff says something that's negative, especially if it's very apparent, I can really focus on it and just and knock it out. To me, I, I sort of see what Jeff's saying in in, in the back, kind of in in the. In, in the back of my tongue mm-hmm. is where that little slightly, even almost, it, I don't know if metallic is quite the word, but a little, yeah, a little bismuthy yeah. note uh, is, is coming in. But it, it's not, it's, it's not terrible. It smelled better, I think, than it, than it tastes. The smell was more mm-hmm. to me inviting because of what I had come to expect from beers that have that kind of smell. But the taste feels kind of muted in, mm-hmm. in, in some of those ways. Yeah, I mean, I like the be- while it's not a hugely flavorful at the very beginning of the taste. I kind of dig it, but then after it's down your throat and the volatiles are working their way through your mouth, yeah, you know, the more I drink it, the the less happy I am with it. <laughs> I was I, I thought so. Uh, we had this in beer club, and a couple guys at work said, "Yeah, that one's not very good." And I said, "I can't wait to do it on the. Sh- I can't wait to have it, so I can tell you how you're wrong." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then I read some reviews about this thing, and it's 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 not very well reviewed either. Well. So I guess everyone's right. <laughs> it's interesting, but uh, I would say pass. You're, not, you're not throwing it out. I'm not going to throw it out, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend everyone go try this. No. Well, maybe we should get onto our. Uh... A commercial day, huh? No, oh, we can do that for sure. Whoa. Oops. <laughs> Is that Jack Black? Yeah, well, it's still going. Because uh, <laughs> it was Tenacious D. You know, it was Wonder Boy. Okay. So, yeah. I gotcha. Uh, where is my... Now, now I've <laughs> all lost. Okay. Ba-doop. You know what that means. It's Christmas time. Do your shopping. Santa baby, slip a sable under the tree. For me, been an awful good girl. Santa baby, and hurry down the chimney tonight. 
craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Do your Christmas shopping at craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. If you do that, I will not let Greg sing next episode. But everyone needs to do their shopping at craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. The fun I've missed. Think of all the fellas. You can stop this. You can stop this. All you have to do is Next shop at craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. And I can make this stop. Watch this. Here's a sample. If you do if you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon, I will slide this slider down like that. And you can't hear Greg singing. He's still singing. See? He's still singing. But you can't hear it. So that's what we'll do if you use craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Santa cutie, there's one thing that I really do need. All right, and scene. <laughs> You're back up. You're yeah, no, sure. I, yeah okay. I know. I just was, was quiet. I was letting that scene mm. sort of linger in people's minds. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, that was the wild elf. Good try. Yeah, That's I mean, a... hey. Worth a shot. I, you know, give Trogues credit for trying. This has to be a new one because, I mean, look at the label, right? The label's the new oh, one. Oh, it is the new one, yeah, so it can't be that old. Yeah. Okay. I was looking on, so no date, and I was looking at reviews and trying to figure out, like, press releases. And um, maybe this was, like, March, right, when they just changed their label, though. Maybe that's when it came out. Is there anything on here? Same thing you read on the website. Yeah, I've been looking for, like, a... a, a... I looked. I didn't see anything. So, which smoke porter shall we do first? Well, let's do the new one first, right? And and this is a bomber, first of all, so yeah. we have more of it, and then we can uh, compare it to uh, the old one. All right, sounds like a plan. All right, Alaskan smoked porter. You know it. You love it. Um, the current version, at least on their website, 6.5% off by volume 45 IBU. This is the 2016 version. Uh, black in color. It's got about two fingers worth of a fluffy head. It smells a... moderately smoky. Moderately. So we're hoping this beer ages for quite a long time because yes. the, the next beer we're going to be drinking is 15 well, it, years it's, older. It's a pre-craft beer radio beer, and there, uh, mm-hmm. there are less and less of those every year. <laughs> yes. All right, so uh, Alaskan Smoke Porter. Alaskan Brewing Company is in Juneau, Alaska, and they... Um, Every November 1st, every year on November 1st, they start making a, a batch of these. So so what they do is, at least what they used to do, back in 2004, when I was actually at the brewery, um, they said that they use a local all, um, salmon smokery to smoke their malts. And salmon is smoked over alder wood, mm-hmm. and that's what gives it that that flavor. Right. Yeah, And a lot of people will think that that's a smoked fish flavor, but that's really an alder wood right, flavor. Yeah. And you just don't taste many things smoked over alder, but this beer... So that's why people say, oh, it tastes like fish. No, it tastes like alder, but you're used to tasting... The only thing you're used to tasting with that is fish. It's like, you know, we've had mesquite smoked stuff, and, and mm-hmm. you know, but it doesn't taste like mesquite smoked steak. Right. It tastes mm-hmm. like a mesquite smoke. Right. 
So think the similar thing with Elderwood. So this thing is crazy smoky. I mean, on the I was I, I tend moderately smoky because because I'm thinking of the last smoke we had, which was like okay the something that was just like a, a freaking smoke bomb. Okay, uh, and this I mean, is well, this is nothing like all right. So this isn't just acrid smoke. This right. is a more nuanced smoke, but the smoke is potent. I mean, it is smokehouse smoke. So you know, I'm smelling this. I don't know. Let's try to describe alder smoke without saying it's fishy or salmon-y. <laughs> All right, you go first. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of uh, it's 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 smell. It's a very okay. I'm trying here. I'm trying. I'm gonna say it would be helpful if I actually smelled like alder, like fresh cut alder and know what that smelled like before they smoked it, which I don't know, but it it seems like it's an aromatic wood. It reminds me of things like cedar and like the Palo Santo from from Dogfish. It seems like a pretty aromatic wood. It has kind kind of coriander cut with lavender with a little bit of cedar thrown in there. That's a good way to, yeah, I was going to start throwing some spices at it and, and things like that. Allspice. Yeah. And then, you know, you're getting those things, but, you know, there's this, the, just the, you know, if you just think of a generic smoke, there's some of that percolating up through it as well. So you get some notes that are kind of clovey, get some phenolics from it. You know, think of a bam, like if you go from a Bamberg Rausch malt or something, okay, you know, yeah. comp- to this, this thing is definitely more spicy, um, Less cloves, but it's, it's but more, more. It's more towards peat than mesquite, right? It's got a little bit more okay, of that, yeah. uh, of that deeper, kind of d- dustier bit to it. Yeah, I mean, we're just kind of practicing here, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not and, smoke experts by any means. So. And uh, Gregor and I are just bouncing ideas back and forth. Hopefully, you find it helpful. I mean, that's mostly what the show is, but we're just trying it with you know smoke descriptors here all of a sudden. I kind of want Greg's moving on to the flavor, but while he's doing that, I'm going to kind of overdose on the smoke aroma and see if I can get more nuance mm. once the smoke kind of gets. Don't know idea on the smoke, man. I don't have a EpiPen for you. Um, it's it's. I, I keep trying to get out of my head. Don't overthink it because I tend to think about those those big gigantic smoke bombs that I've had and, and it's really nothing compared to those because mm-hmm. it, it's nicely smoked. Right. Uh, but it is considerably smoky if you just consider it apart from just a regular beer. Um, there, there's lots of smoke character in it. There's lots of that alder uh, character. Beneath it there is a mm, somewhat kind of semi-sweet porter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the body is kind of medium to light for a porter. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like um, more of a brown porter than than a roasty porter. Right, right. You know, so I'm actually getting some kind of toffee notes and kind of that sweet. It's more sweet than cocoa or, yes. or ashy. Yeah. 
Um, the astringency is pretty low because the smoke is really delivering all that all those sort of acrid mm. notes. So you don't really want to. Open You're right, the right. The the, the, beer, the base beer is probably not very bitter, tart, or acrid because the smoke really adds a lot of that. So the sweetness is doing a nice balancing job with the smoke. It's not. It's making it so the smoke doesn't overpower. At the same time, the sweetness doesn't overpower the smoke. Uh, but the smoke is definitely still there. You're getting that quality. To me, it doesn't taste like salmon at all. I mean, it really actually tastes uh, different than mm-hmm. than most than most smoked salmon. At least this version. Oh, does. sure. Yeah, I'm getting that. It's it's not the beer I remember, and yeah. we haven't had one of these beers in quite a while. Now, I'm curious if. Beer has changed. If I've changed, well, of course I've changed. My palate is. This changed. is a pretty fresh one. I mean, yeah. they, they start doing this on November first. They well, they say that this apparently this got in on October eighteenth. So, eh. but um, right, I mean, this is beginning of the run yeah, here. Yeah. So this is super fresh. I mean, these things wage for a while. Do you? Um, I'm feeling like I want to pull that 2005 out and do that in the middle. Hey, go ahead. Bring All right, I'm gonna grab it real quick. We had it. We figured we'd save it, but why not? Why not bring it on? So just gonna grab that. I'm gonna to talk a little bit more about the smoke porter. If, if you have never seen the Alaskan smoke porter, it's um pretty distinctive bottle. This is the bomber version, but there are uh, all the versions, even including way back to 2001, still had the same essential label, which is uh, three moose or caribou uh, on a uh, on a tilt. Uh, on a um, on a hill, I guess, and the Alaskan smoke porter uh, gives you the the age or the uh, year up top, and it says smoke porter, and then basically just says Alaskan on it. Uh, this one has the 2016. It says <laughs> gold medal winner. This one just says Alaskan brewing on it. So the the label has changed, or the because th- this one is all the flourishes. The 2001. You nice. see how it has all the flourishes, and this one they they cut off all the flourishes, all the, all the little. Um, uh, serifs that they added <laughs> have right. been cut off. All right, so the next one we're gonna do. See, is... I can I can make up bullshit when you're not there. <laughs> I can just talk and talk and talk. Yeah. So the um, the next one we're gonna drink is a 2005 Smoke Porter. I picked this up in Las Vegas in 2008. Okay. And uh, the frickin' frog. And we had done another 2005, and I think a 2008 on the show, probably back in 2008. Sometime in the past. <laughs> from the same purchase. And then the 2001 is from a, when I was at the brewery in 2004, they had a vertical four-pack, which is a, a one, two, three, and four. And this is the oldest one, and I just kept it around for ridiculous amounts of time because that's why we haven't talked about Jeff's superpower in a while, but in a year of superheroes, it should be noted that Jeff's superpower <laughs> is the ability to keep beers that anyone else, any mortal man <laughs> would have drunk by now and keep them around to be had at a later date. All right. So 2016, only a month old, crazy smoky, mm-hmm. You can still taste a bit of the porter under there. And it, from my memory, the beer didn't seem as dimensional as what I remember this beer used to be. So let's go to the 2005. Let's I mean, see how your memory... Yeah. 
Now we're jumping way back. It'd be nice to have one like smack dab in the middle. Yes. So yeah, we're jumping eleven years. So let's let's travel to the past. Right. I don't have any. Maybe, oh, I need a, a, a TARDIS time, time thing, right? Let's see. Can you um, put up my sound? I could, yes. All right, we're going All right. back in time so, to. So we're back in 2005 <laughs> right now. <laughs> All right, not so a smoky in the nose. Right? Not a smoky in the a nose. Very th- the, the body seems thinner. Right? There's no. I mean, there's the very carbonation. little carbonation. Yeah, yeah. very the, little the, uh, head. The aroma. There's oxidation on the nose. Mm-hmm. It smells kind of like an old ale slash imperial stout. A little less black. A little more brown, but uh, mm-hmm. that could be just. Uh, I don't know. That could be just the, the, because there's no head there. Mm-hmm. Smells so a little bit more toffee, right? A little bit more. No, I am, getting, I am getting some smoke still. If you stick your nose in there, you get a little bit of that odor. But it is like where if the 2016 is a 10, at 2005, we're down to like a 3. There we go. I'm actually having trouble picking out the smoke. That's... It's also right. also pretty cold. It is so. cold. I mean, it's right out of the fridge. It's so cool. let's, let's get, let, let this go. Any other... Time travel sounds it's while we're waiting. <laughs> you can think of their distinctive time travel sounds. Like you recognize them as a sound that is just. I was thinking like Bill and Tez, but that's not, not really a sound. It's a right? um, what's what's a theremin, right? That's a time travel sound. Yeah. Well, that's not. I mean, that that's a generic sci-fi sound, right? I guess. So so more of that ba thing, um, you know. Here's some Dr. Obvious stuff. IPA's rain. Where, uh, 30, <laughs> wait, one quarter of craft volume is IPA. One quarter. One quarter of craft volume is IPA. I guess that, that doesn't surprise me. The int- the kind of interesting note they put underneath it was sessionable styles, including golden ales, pilsners, and pale lagers are up to 33%. So a third of craft beer is golden, light, lighter flavored beers. Exports are up. Portland is the place to tour beer. Um, lots of people homebrew. Both Republicans and Democrats like beer. <laughs> um, you wouldn't be able to have that growth if that wasn't the case, I think. What about independence? Independence hate beer. <laughs> independence. Yeah, so, so that's kind of their infographic. I'd love to see the production numbers, but they're probably not ready yet. All right, so let's go on to the flavor here. So it has the same body as the other beer. This one has a lot more sherry notes to it. It has 11 years of sitting in a bottle to it. It's mellowed a lot. The smoke comes later, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 the smoke isn't immediate, uh, but it does come on at in in the back of the flavor as opposed to right at the front. Um, whether that's a reminder of what I'm getting for 2016, <laughs> right? Or whether that's something new, I'm not sure. But I think there's still smoke there. Yeah, 
it's just um yeah i think 11 is probably a little too long for this beer i think uh, i think that this beer is a little too oxidized and it's lost a little too much smoke yeah it might be it might have gone uh i mean it's not again it's not undrinkable mm-hmm. no no i'm just saying if you're hoping to crack a bottle and rainbows and unicorns fly out to the Neck. Not this well. Well, give it a nice big sip because there's a lot of character. Oh, yeah. toffee character. Yeah, if um, you if you do a strong pull on it, you get that toffee. Mm-hmm. Smoke plays in there nice. If you take a dainty sip, you taste a lot more of the cardboard oxidation. Mm-hmm. But if you take a strong pull, it it, it actually covers pretty nicely. All right. Well, let's go. Let's go back in time All again. All the way back. Should have played the Quantum Leap theme. Oh, oh, <laughs> boy, is it? Oh, boy. I don't, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All right, 2001 Smoked Porter, the oldest smoked porter I've ever touched, and my superpower intact is no longer intact. This is the oldest beer you have? Oh, yeah. I don't have anything older than 2001. Mm. Okay. So... <laughs> This show has turned out to be Jeff's kryptonite after all. It's success. <laughs> we can end it now. I'll have to figure out what my next oldest beer is. I might not have. You know, I have a 2004. You must have some heavyweights or something that are fucking, that are freaking old. Yeah, yes, the, I have one heavyweight left. Bring out that heavyweight smoked crap that was awful. No, Cinderbock. I don't have that anymore. I have a, a heavyweight that's probably from like 2004. I guess I do still have a pre-show before the show started beer i might have some character i might have a dogfish that's uh, that's before the show too i don't know smoke is exactly what i'm smelling but i'm smelling a little bit more character than a 2005 i'm smelling smelling a bit more cocoa and maybe Mm -hmm. some smoke there This one has more body than mm-hmm. the 2005 does. So this one has kind of residual sugars. It kind of has a, almost like a milk stout creaminess to yeah. it. It has, it, instead of being, 2005 had oxidized into cardboard, where this one has oxidized more into sherry, so it's a much more appealing flavor. That's very good. I am enjoying that a lot. Um a nice strong pull on that gives even more of that sort of uh, nice sherry notes. And, and like you said, like a milk set, I think it's a really good call because you really definitely get that sweetness. This one's in a 16-ounce bottle. Right. So that, that's different. See, the other two were bombers. This is 16. Um, it's, it's, it's very good. I still think that you're going to be better off with the 2016. You're getting the smoke. The other, the twenty fifteen, mm-hmm. the smoke was there and, and sort of the back end, and had it was still fine. And you know, I mean, we've had beers from from breweries that have fared worse after three months, and this has after eleven years. Mm-hmm. So you know, consider that. But yeah, at the same right. time, uh, this um, the, the twenty sixteen had all that, all the smoke and all the flavor and all the stuff you're looking for. So go newer if you can. Uh, the the Age is a novelty here that is not quite worth the, the, the price of admission, probably. 
But if you see a 2001 sitting on the shelf, <laughs> go get it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it depends on what the price is, right? If it's 20 bucks, go for it. If it's $400, it's not worth it. I mean, I should have sold this. Yeah, you probably could. You could have gotten you know enough money for Christmas presents. You could have put it on Amazon.com. Craft, no, no, craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. No, this 2001, it seems that, like I said, it oxidized better. It aged mm-hmm. better. It has more body to it. It's um, it's really good. It's kind of like a, it has a lot of old oil flavors, but yeah. it's in a porter. Right. So you're getting so some... it's thinner. It's not as 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 um, it's not as al- it's not as boozy. It, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's got really nice flavors to it. Yeah, I, I like what Jeff says about old ale. It's kind of like a a, a less alcoholic, a less heavy old ale. And going down the slope that we went from the 2016 immensely smoky to this yeah. one, our palates are not able to detect the the. It's either smoky it's and below I, the threshold it, it's either smoky and yeah. i can no longer taste it because i'm burned out or the smoky that i think i'm tasting is just residue on my tongue or in my glass and i'm not sure yeah, i can't really tell you know if the smoke that i'm tasting is in the beer or not took a nice big sip of the last bit and i got some smoke it's still there um it it's you're you're not quite Getting it because it's it matches the sherry note a bit. Mm-hmm. The sherry and the alder have kind of a very have, have a similar quality to them, but I, I the also, smoky is there. Also got kind of um, sunflower seed type flavor. That's an interesting take. I never would have picked that. Up. So I was trying to figure out, like it, I got something a little nutty, right? And I couldn't figure out like which kind of nut for a while. And I think I'm going to go with pumpkin seed or sunflower seed. I that. buy pumpkin seed more than I buy sunflower seed. Having had both, but then again, every sunflower seed I've ever had is covered in salt. So well, I'm thinking of the ones that, like, at the salad bar, where they're just the seeds that are already shucked. Okay. And or the and the pumpkin seeds the same way, where they're just the the green little pepitas. Okay. Not something I usually put on my salad. So when I've had sunflower seeds, it's always been those big, you know, salty things, and you chew them and spit them out. Yeah, no, um, not that. It's more of the the shucked ones that you get okay. at the salad bar. Okay, yeah, not not something that I've generally done because if I'm going to put nuts on my salad, it's going to be pine nuts or, or or not at all, really. Right. Or maybe walnuts. I mean, pine nuts are kind of close, but yeah, not not exactly. No. Okay, Greg no. says wrong. So, you ready to move on to the last beer? Yes. Another Alaskan beer? Yes, I am. So, this is uh, part of Alaskan's pilot series. We saw, uh, yeah, well, we saw this. I mean, I saw this, but I mentioned it to you. We were like, yeah, let's get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jalapeno Double IPA from Alaskan. Uh, so, yeah, why not, right? Well, let's let, let's check it out. Let me get a good rinse on this glass here. Yeah. Tastes like oxidized smoked water. Tastes like alder for some reason. Jeff's pressure cooker right now is in the stand-in for the dump bucket. (laughs) I I, So, you know, I went... Why am I feeling that glass? (laughs) I'm pouring the wrong liquid into the wrong glass. Um... Yeah, I was thinking about the pressure cooker. No, the reason the pressure cooker's down here is because after Thanksgiving, I made stock. And then I went away for deer camp, and I didn't have time to can the stock. So last night, 
I canned the stock and hadn't cleaned pressure cooker yet. So I figured it'd be great, be great ice for, bucket. Yeah, great ice bucket. Sure. Okay. So uh, this has uh, this is the Alaskan Pilot uh, Jalapeno Double IPA in a twenty two ounce bomber. It has an amber color, uh, a bit darker than amber. Sort of um, what would you call that? Maybe a eh, confounding color, reddish IPA. Yeah. The, the the color is so not important that I don't want to waste a ton of time on it. But yeah, I'm having a hard time assigning a name to this color. <laughs> it's an auburn. How about that? Okay. The jalapeno gets you in the back of your throat when you smell it because it it it's not an immediately apparent aroma, but the it starts to tingle the back of your throat as you. As you inhale the, uh... yeah. So jalapenos can come across a couple different ways. Grassy is one. Grassy is one. So you can get like the pickled jalapenos, like right. on your nachos. Right. You can get your fresh jalapenos. You can get kind of smoked, charred, and these like almost the smell that I'm getting is almost like if these things were like on the grill, and are kind of like were smoked first before they were put in. Well, it's uh, not it's... not necessarily smoked. But charred a little bit. A smoked jalapeno is technically a chipotle. Yeah. So that's not necessarily what I mean, but more of slice them, throw them on the grill. Okay. Right. And get, then, get a little, yeah, get a little char on them, but yeah, not like, yeah, right. Not, not. That's kind of what I'm smelling okay. on this. I wonder what they actually smoke the peppers on. Because, I mean, we talked, we just talked about how alder is different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess mesquite or something similar. I don't know. Yeah, so when so, I smell this, I smell an jalapeno, but it reminds me of something that's kind of what you get in your fajita bowl, you know, like where there was charred next to yeah, the steaks yeah. type thing. You know, that's kind of how they smell to me. I'm not getting uh, a lot of of hop on here. It, it smells like it's going to be a relatively sticky IPA. Yeah, I mean... Uh, Along with the jalapeno aroma, I'm getting a pretty big, like, caramel toffee malt mm-hmm. backbone. And, and that kind of goes with the color here. It seems like it's going to be, you know, for a double IPA, it's going to have a lot of malt going to on. To bring it. back a term that we have kind of retired, it uh, it kind of smells like it would be on the sweeter kind of man candy-ish IPA route. But let's see if that's correct. Yeah, so moving on to the flavor. It is pretty sweet. There's a lot of malt there. You get some kind of caramel. It's almost, um, I was going to say wordy. It's not really like unfermented no. beer, but a little bit like, now I got to find a better word for that. It's not spicy. This isn't a spicy beer. No, I mean, if you compare it to, I think our, our major benchmark is probably a jalapeno uh, sculpin, or not jalapeno, uh, habanero sculpin uh, for like, best use of pepper in a beer this the, the jalapeno is barely apparent it you know what, what gives some pepper flavors it's just not a hot beer so that's kind of interesting how it's not a pepper beer it's a pepper flavored beer it's a vegetable beer it's a a jalapeno to me is not a great pepper because it doesn't have a lot of flavor to it well that's why you grill it right um, it, it, it's, you know, it's a little bit grassy. It's a little, a little, um, 
I really don't know what else is going on with with a jalapeno besides grassy and hot. Um, I mean, there's green pepper type flavor in there, but yeah, okay, a little bit of that. So, sure. I mean, but what what is it? How would you describe a green pepper? It's it's not very flavorful. In it's any it's kind of a slight kiwi. It, 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 yeah. it's, there's not much you can go with green pepper. It's a, it's a, it's a slight sweetness. It doesn't even have as much character as it. it, as it like so, I mean, as I'm drinking this, it feels yeah. like. They've grilled the flesh to kind of tr- caramelize it a little bit, get a little more nuance out of there. I'm getting a little bit like on my gums of this of this sting, just a bit. So you're getting a little bit of that um, of that kind of uh, buzz, mm-hmm. but just kind of on your gums, not not even really on your tongue, just on your gums. Yeah, the most sensitive. It's, parts. it's very mild. Yeah, but um, I, it, I, it's hot enough that people who hate hot things will call it hot. But if you have any experience with hot things at all, you won't think it's very hot at all. It's, it's probably true. Uh, I like, I kind of like the interplay of the pepper flavor and the the sweeter malts. Uh, what's the alcohol in this? It feels like eight point five, eight and a half. Yeah, yeah. it it seems. Oh, I finally, I, I looked down and there was any information I didn't even read. Okay. okay, it seems a little boozy for like what I'm getting out of the beer. Centennial Sterling Magnum and Apollo. Okay. Those are it is interesting selection of hops because it kind of straddles all the phases of all, mm. all of them. Kind of phase one. It well, you throw in those Apollos, and I don't know. Maybe you get uh, in there, you know? Apollos kind of old school. Okay, then phase one. I mean, like I said, it it smelled like a big sweet man candyish mm-hmm. beer, and it kind of does bring that flavor. Um. You're really tasting more of the malt and more of the, the 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 kind of a sweet green pepper note with a little bit of a of a peppery of a, a capsaicin buzz afterwards. You know, I just took another sip and and I'm getting. I mean, it's in a more subdued way than in modern IPAs, but I mean, there's a lot of hop flavor in there. It's kind of. Let me take another sip here and try to put words to it. 70 IBUs on this bad boy. 8.5 as uh, the alcohol by volume. I mean, I think they restrained the hops so the, it didn't overpower the, the pepper. I, I I think that this is a good use of jalapeno. I like this. I think... Yeah, the more I'm drinking, the more the, the jalapeno is starting to come out. The jalapeno... And... We, I know we've said this before. I'm having a deja vu moment, not of this beer, but of a, you know, using the pepper as a ingredient as opposed to a heat factor. You're right, yeah. You know, and and this feels like this is a pretty good use of using the pepper for its flavor and not for its heat. There's a nice build of of, of the heat though. I'm I'm starting to feel more of it as it goes on, uh, and I think. The first couple sips didn't give that impression, but the build is part of the character, and I I think that adds a a, cons- a nice component to the beer that I was missing on those first few okay. sips because I'm know, feeling that sort of I'm just feeling it kind of start to build and start to have more of that uh, more of that just tingling around my mouth, and that's okay. something that's a cool experience. Now, the thing that I'm being left with as this beer, you know, is going down my throat and, and kind of just leaving aftertaste in my mouth is like the pepper skins. Like this is like charred pepper skins, you know, our blanched pepper skins where they're coming off. It's leaving right. a really nice flavor. Yeah. 
And I'm enjoying, I mean, I just said it, but I want to say it one more time. And I think that, you know, they use the pepper as a food ingredient as opposed to a heat element. This is growing on me and it's growing on me considerably. The, the, the more I have it, the more I'm starting to really enjoy mm-hmm. it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that can happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. In terms of the beers, we still have to rank, so the show's not done yet. All right, we got three smoke porters. We got an jalapeno IPA. We got a Belgian strong with cherries aged in barrels of pedio. We have a <laughs> hop faded galaxy beer and the Hefeweizen with tons of esters. Um, I okay, so I will start. And the Santan, I think, is going to be a did did not rank. Sorry, didn't mean to start that. It's gonna, I think it's going to be a do not rank. The hot yeah, fade yeah. just really couldn't taste it. Just couldn't even really imagine what the beer could have been with that one. I bet it was probably good, but who knows? I mean, Santan's a really good brewery. So, and next, I think I'm going to put the Wild Elf in last place. You're not going to put the parched pooch in last place. Hey, it's your... no, I'm going to put the wild elf in last place. All right, it's it had some good things going. It had some bad things going, and it's just the beer that I could not recommend a listener go pick up, partially because of the price point that the beer would be at, where the parched pooch. Probably has a much lower price point, so that kind of factors into it as well. But I mean, that Pepto Bismol slash baby diaper aftertaste <laughs> in the Wild Elf really, really shut the door on it. I, I liked some of the stuff at the beginning. I liked some of the, I liked the aroma. I liked some of the early flavors, but that was a rough aftertaste, and uh, that shut the door. Then I'm gonna put the Parch Pooch in uh, fifth place. It, um, it had some flavors. It almost seemed like it was, it, it felt to me like it knew of the live oak Hefeweizen, but <laughs> didn't have the same chops because... It's a beer, man. You're giving me way too much credit. The, the live oak has this really creamy mouthfeel. It has big vanilla flavors, yeah. you know, really vanilla bananas. I know, you love the thing. I, I love the thing. and It's okay. To this, I know you don't like it as much. It This kind of was, it felt to me like it was trying to imitate it, but not doing a very good job. And then it was very thin up front, like at the top of the flavor. So yeah, it's going to fall into fifth place. The Smoked Porter 2005 Definitely was in this uncanny valley of not good. We had the 2005 many years not ago. Bad. No, no, it didn't. Okay, it did, did. Time did not. Time was not kind to the 2005. Is what I meant to say. Yes. I know we had this thing back in 2008 or 2009, and I probably liked it a lot better. But it was horribly oxidized, and. You're throwing out the adjectives today that are crazy. It wasn't horribly oxidized. It was oxidized. There, I mean, horribly oxidized, I would expect something I'd, I'd have to pour out. Okay. 
All right. Okay, man. I'm sorry. It was awfully oxidized. <laughs> um, Weirdly, that that works. <laughs> it just didn't age well, and it was not. It didn't come up the other side of the slope yeah. where it was right. pulling these great old flavors. Yeah. It, it was interesting that 2016, 2015 seemed to have. A, 2016, 2005 seem to have similar bodies where the 2001 seem to have a fuller body. Yeah. So it'd be great to have like a even more intense vertical and kind of see how this thing changes throughout the years. But now that we've shot our load with the 2001, <laughs> you know, we're never going to have that. Maybe send an email to Alaska, but I wouldn't expect much. No, no. Andy said, oh, I'll get you the current 2015, yeah. the 2014. I've been trying to get him to send me a beer for years so I could drink this 2001. And he's always like, yep, yeah, sure thing, buddy. And then crickets. But uh, <laughs> uh, we got it on our own uh, mechanics. And anyway, 2005... It got oxidized, it was thin, it just was not a very tasty beer. Now we got the three good beers, all from Alaskan. Um, now it gets hard. I'm going to put the current year, the 2016 Smoke Porter, in third place. Beer's fine, I just think it's way too smoke, way too young. I think it needs some time to mellow. I think six months on that beer, a year on that beer, and I think it would really start spreading its wings. It felt like it was still in its smoky cocoon of beardom, and it just was what it was. You're in your smoky cocoon of beardom. I am. (laughs) That's what it would say to you. Uh, Number two, I'm going to put the Jalapeno India Imperial IPA. I like this beer. I really can't say enough about how they use the jalapeno as an ingredient. You know, your opinion may vary on the culinary delights of the jalapeno versus many other peppers, but I think that the way that they coax the flavor out of the jalapeno in this beer is masterful. And that 2001 smoked IPA, I just think that I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that it aged the way it did. It's... Um, I'm glad I didn't waste my time and money on, on celebrating that beer. Superpower confirmed. All right. Okay, so uh, my rankings are different. Uh, I'm, in sixth place, I'm going to put the Sleepy Dog. I did not really like this beer. Uh, it felt very uh, felt muted to me. It felt uh, distant. I was not tasting what I would ex- was expecting to taste from a Heffa and... Um, yeah, I couldn't really enjoy it. I won't rank the Santan like Jeff because I think there was really great stuff in there, but man, it just hot faded. Uh, in fifth place, I'm going to put the Trogues. I felt like there was an interesting stuff there, and I'm happy they went for it, uh, but it didn't didn't work out to everyone's advantage, unfortunately. I would like it to be more funky. I would like there to be more of the kind of crazy flavors I want to get from the bread and from the PDO and from the lacto, but it just feels like, no, all I got was kind of cherries and, and Pepto. <laughs> so especially once Jeff sort of informed me of the Pepto, it kind of, it, 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 it kind <laughs> oh, of pulled that yeah, in. Oh, yeah, it is in there. Uh, so... The uh, two through four are all different variations of smoked porter. Twenty oh five to me is the the least likable version of smoked porter. 
it's fine. Uh, it is a little thin. It's it's oxidized in a more cardboardy rather than more cherry direction, but it's not terrible. As I mentioned on the show, and I'll repeat it again, we've had beers that were three months oxidized <laughs> that are much worse. So, you know, kudos to Alaskan for for their um, for their quality control. Uh, then in third place, I'm actually going to put a 2001 because I really felt like the smoke came through in the 2016, and that's what I want. It's the smoke porter, after all. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really did come through. And I also felt, uh, in comparison, maybe it's just me, but in comparison to the other smoked beers that I've had recently, uh, and smoked beers that, that, I'm, uh, that I'm used to having recently, the smoke was actually on a, a, a kind of moderate level and was really at a nice at a, at a nice, decent level where I could definitely taste it. I definitely knew it was smoked, but didn't feel like it was overwhelmingly with this ashy crap that I get from a lot of these newer smoked beers. I think a lot of smoked beers recently are really just trying way too hard, or people just love that smoke, and I don't. Whatever the thing is, I, I like the smoke in the 2016 a lot. Uh, if that's like a really, if Jeff considers that really super smoky, that's the kind of smoke that I would like. Uh, and so I'm going to put the 2016 in second place. And in first place, well, the, you know, the, the beer I went to get a refill was the Jalapeno IPA. The first couple of sips, I wasn't really noticing. I wasn't really getting some of the flavors that I liked out of it. But man, once I started to really just get into it, and and and, uh, and maybe, maybe the flight is something to do with, with all the smoke porters beforehand. But once that. Once the jalapeno started to build and I started to really get what was going on, I really started to enjoy it. So that uh, that jalapeno I- imperial IPA, good job, Alaskan. You did it. The top four for both of us are Alaskan, so hey. It took 405 episodes <laughs> of Craft Beer Radio, but you got the top four places, Alaskan. You swept the podium. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> What's the Alaskan state anthem? <laughs> I have no idea, but um, it probably is like Sarah Palin is awesome. Uh, or Cara- oh, oh no! Oh oh! I got it! I got it! Let me let me, let me find it um, <laughs> because there is a song that uh, that uh, is actually a great song. <clears throat> so it's called Caribou. Oh, okay, from the Pixies. I'm going to sneeze. Why don't you take us out? All right. Well, that was Craft Beer Radio for our 405th official time. You can check out Craft Beer Radio at craftbeerradio.com, which you probably know. Uh, We are licensed under the Creative Commons license, uh, which you can definitely check out under our uh, website at craftbeerradio.com slash something. It's on on our website somewhere. Uh, If you want to help us out, go to... Uh, craftbeerary.com slash Amazon or go to craftbeerary.com and click on some of the links there's a whole bunch of links on there on our feed there's like a ton of links that no one ever clicks on um, there's if you want to contact us there's always beer at craftbeerary.com you can send us email you can send an email specifically to Jeff at Jeff at craftbeerary.com or email specifically to me at Greg at craftbeerary.com Jeff doesn't see it I promise if you go to Twitter Twitter is probably the best way to contact us 
at craftbeerradio.com. I am at CBR Greg. Jeff at Jeff Bearer. And uh, that's B E A R E R. And uh, this is Caribou from the Pixies from their album Come On Pilgrim. He did better to the job than I've ever done. Thank you so much. We'll see you again next time.